Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. I want to uh, say thank you to to our church for allowing us the privilege to go. Um, man, Gretchen, where are you? Come on up here. Gretchen and Misha are here, and uh, they're going to share a little bit about their trip. I may share a little. We'll see. <laughs> And, uh, and Joey, and then we're going to get back into some music this morning. Come share with us. I'm so glad that uh, you allowed us to go. We had a great team. Uh, we had nine of us, uh, four of us kind of here this morning sharing. We had a couple of my friends from Delaware who jumped in and a friend from Columbia. And uh, we needed about 50. They'll tell you why, because when a few of them showed up and when we started, there were 50 kids, and then there were 200 kids, and then there were 250 kids. They were freaking out, so, <laughs> and so was I. I just said, see you guys later. I'm going to talk to the pastors. Have a good time. And uh, they did a fantastic job, so share with us. Good morning. My name is Gretchen Garrison. For those who don't know me, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my trip. It's all garbled because I was trying to think of what to say and what what to tell because there's so much to tell we don't have enough time but we did have some challenges going over it started immediately in charlotte they didn't like our covid test so we had to deal with that and then my suitcase was taken and i was not able to get it back and unfortunately it had the stuff for the people in africa and the stuff i was going to wear all the dresses so I wound up wearing my blue jeans to a couple of the villages. And we were sitting there one morning at breakfast, and Jack hollered, there's some dresses around the corner. And so I went around the corner and bought this dress. So I had a dress to wear. But we finally got there. It was just very challenging because most of the places didn't have hot water. And it's hard to take a cold shower. Thank goodness for those... Uh, wipes that you can clean yourself with but the villages were absolutely wonderful happy people friendly helpful the little children were a little standoffish at first and a couple of the villages some of the people had never even seen a white person so we were kind of like everybody was like okay (laughs) who are these people and some children when they saw us cried because Pastor Mark told us that when he was little, he was told not to trust white people because they'd eat you. <laughs> so the little children were like, you know. But they finally warmed up to us when we played games and we did a Bible story. And the majority of them actually listened. I mean, their eyes were so big when I was telling them Bible stories. And they actually did listen because we did ask some questions and most of the answers were correct. We asked them questions about what we've been telling them. But it was, they were just wonderful kids and it's sad they have so little and we have so much. 
but I gave a couple of the little boys an empty water bottle that I had, and it thrilled them to death, an empty plastic bottle that we throw away every day. And it just tickled them to death. And when they, um, when the adults were worshiping, it's totally different than ours. They're not solemn, like Jack said. They dance and they sing and they clap, and it's just amazing to watch them. But, I mean... Over here, all the villages had no running water, no electricity, none of that. And if we, if our power gets cut off in a storm, we complain. But they don't have all that, and it's just it's so sad. But over here in America, you know, everybody tries to keep up with the Joneses. All of them are Joneses down there because they all have nothing. But they, they just, they're such loving people and happy people. And the ladies that cooked for us cooked out in a big pot over a fire. None of us got sick. I mean, the food was just, some of it not my favorite. <laughs> but the food was definitely different. But um, when, when we were just there, they were just all gathered around. They'd love to have their picture taken. And they want a picture with you. And then when you show them, they get so excited seeing the picture. And one lady really touched my heart. We were at um, Pastor Mark's eating. His wife had fixed us this big meal. And there were several ladies there. And one of the ladies, after we'd all eat, I happened to be sitting beside her. And I had taken some little PVC characters as visuals. One was Jesus, a little boy in the loaves and fishes, Daniel and the lion and David and Goliath and I was showing her those and telling her about them and she says I have three children I said would you like these and it tickled her to death well later on we went up to the mission center to look it up and we were having um looking at their um, clinics and where they're teaching the people and this lady found me and she said, I have my camera now. I want to take your picture. And she come up and said, my friend, my friend. And it was just so touching that she did that. But this, this trip is just, it, you can't describe it. The people, the land, and everything. But one of the funny stories I'm going to share with you, most of their clothes are donated. Because you see the children with Mickey Mouse and Star Wars and Minions and you know they've never seen those. They don't have a clue who it is. And they got shirts that have sayings on them. They can't read, which is pretty good because one little boy had on a shirt that said rage. And one had on a shirt that said um, sarcasm. But it was funny, the little boy with a shirt that said rage actually wanted to pray after our, our um, Bible story. So he prayed for us. But one of the pastors... This is the funny story. Had on a really nice shirt with his suit coat. Had a Playboy bunny on it. <laughs> so I told, I told Jack, I said, why don't you wear one Sunday and see what kind of reception you get? <laughs> He's too chicken. <laughs> but another funny story. I hope I'm not stealing Misha's thunder. They knew Misha was American, 
and they called her Aguna, which if I'm pronouncing the word correctly, Aguna means white people or white person. So Misha got to be Aguna in Africa. (laughs) But overall, it was just, it was a wonderful trip. And if you ever get the opportunity to go, you need to go. You will be very blessed. Because it's just, it's a whole different world. But just, it would be worth the trip if you could go. I hope some of you get to go again. The worst part is the travel. But once you get there, it's just, it's wonderful. You can't describe it. So hopefully you will get to go on the next trip. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, If my voice sounds a little off, it is because I was wildly misinformed about the weather in Africa. Um, And it was actually very cold there. So the weather changes um, affected my voice. So that's why. Um, But uh, if many of you guys know, I I was there for a month. Um, I was able to be there three weeks before the team came. um, And I got to stay with Pastor Mark and his family. And it was a wonderful time. Um, But one of the things are... There's a lot of different stories and things that I could share, but um, one of the things was there's a vocational center there, um, and there many students come, and they come to uh, learn trades like uh, carpentry, um, electrical installation, welding, different things like that. And uh, some many of the students, so there, it's in one particular village, but there are some students who come from the surrounding villages but some students bike for miles and miles to be able to come because they're learning free trades and free services. And so many of the students don't come from Magoe, which is where the uh, vocational center is. So I was able to go one day to the vocational center and I got to talk to some of the students, get to know them, um, take pictures and videos. And while I was talking to one of the carpentry students, uh, he, one of them, his name was Togo White, he told me um, that he was from a faraway village or whatever, and he biked like eight miles or something to come there. And um, so we, we began talking, and he told me that his birthday was August 2nd. And at the time, it was like a week before August 2nd. And I was like, well, I'm going to be here. Like, let's have a birthday party. So I was super excited, and I was like, Let's have this birthday party um, for Togo. And and to him, it was a little strange and, and odd because they don't really celebrate their birthdays over there. Um, it's just any other day for them, and mainly because of not having money or not having the means to have a birthday party. So he told me he was turning 22, so I, I went up to Pastor Mark, and I said, hey, like, there's a student. His name is Togo. I'm going to be here. Can we throw a birthday party? And so... That's all I had to say. I thought we were just going to get a cake, some candles, blow it out. But no, they had a birthday committee. They had um, dancing. They had all this other stuff. And I was like, I was not ready for this. But um, so we ended up like having this birthday party. And when, when there's like an event going on, especially when it's outside, people come and if they see it, that is the event of the day. Nobody goes anywhere else. It is, it's. It's open. Anybody can come. So when we had this birthday party in front of the vocational center, all the students came to support Togo. And they had um, 
food, dancing. They had speaking, comedy shows. It was it was a whole thing. And um, one of the things that really struck me was when, uh, and this is in a lot of African cultures, whenever there is any type of celebration, people bring money. And so, and they, they basically throw money at, and they give to whoever they're celebrating. And so... Um, the time came for gifts, and the MC was like, okay, guys, so now it's time for gifts. And because I was throwing the, the birthday party, I got scared because I was like, oh, no, I didn't bring any gifts. And I was like, Togo's not even from this village. People don't know him. Like, nobody's going to give any gifts to him, and these people are already poor. So I was like, I, like, I, I was embarrassed a little bit because I was like, I didn't bring any gifts for Togo. And so I was, like, trying to pull all the money out of my bag to see what I had. And I was like, okay, we're, you know, we're going to go and uh, go, go ahead and give it. And Togo went up front, and he stood in the front, and there was a table there. And I was shocked. People who didn't know Togo, he wasn't from their village, started coming up. It started first with the students in his school. And they started pulling out all the kwacha, which is the money, and they just started pulling out the kwacha and just throwing it and giving it to Togo. And I was watching them, and after the students gave, people from the village who are just standing off to the side started coming up and started just throwing money and giving it to Togo. And I was like, so I was so confused and almost like in culture shock because I think about the verse actually, um, Matthew ten five through eight, which it says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And it's mainly that last part of freely you have received, freely give. And I think about here in the states how much we have been given and how much I have been given and how how hard sometimes it is to give but to see these people who have nothing go out of their way to give something to give money and maybe it's their dinner maybe it's their groceries for the week who knows but they are giving it and because they've received it and they're freely giving whatever they have and not only that it's more than just about the money it's their joy it's their happiness they even if they could be going through the hardest time and we look at them and they're like, they don't have shoes on their feet, they don't have clothes that are uh, tailored correctly or whatever, they freely give whatever they can. And so um, definitely while I was there, that was probably one of the most memorable, memorable things um, and something that I, I will always take with me, um, uh, just seeing them and, and how they they really freely give. So... Once again, though, just to echo Gretchen, if you guys do have an opportunity to go on a trip to um, come to Malawi, you should. Um, it definitely changed my life, and I know it'll change yours. So thank you. Thank you, Misha. Uh, there's a lot I could share with you, but I'll do that over the next few weeks and months. You'll probably hear that through the sermons and messages uh, Malawi, 50% of the population of Malawi is under the age of 20. So if you can imagine seeing hundreds and hundreds of kids running around, that's what it's like. Uh, average income is about 50 cents uh, a day. 
so it's hard to survive, obviously. So I want to say thank you again to the church family, for you guys, for your support, for your prayers, uh, for Gretchen going. Uh, Misha, was they loved her. She could have just stayed, and they would have been fine with her because the kids loved her, uh, and she did, a, she did a great job. The rest of our team, Joey, what a privilege to be with him there. Uh, by the way, I don't know if I was supposed to announce this this morning. He's going to be going back to plant a church there in a couple of months. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. He, he did fantastic. The whole team did fantastic, but they loved him. They loved hearing from him. Lisa, thank you. Thank you for letting him go. And uh, I know thank you for my wife letting me go. So uh, we want to pray for them today. Uh, we also want to pray before we uh, sing some more uh, for our brothers and sisters. You, you guys, it's so easy to sit here for me. And forget the blessings of God. That is one of the reasons I love to get out of the country at least a couple of times a year. It's not that I don't love our country. I love our country. But I need the physical, visual reminder of the blessings of God that we have. And we have brothers and sisters today who are followers of Jesus who are in Afghanistan who feel forgotten. Uh, We want to pray for them today. Uh, We have brothers and sisters that I know in Haiti who are surviving yet another earthquake. Uh, One of the things about Malawi, also where we have brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the number one bottled water company in Malawi is owned by the Muslims. So if you want free water, you go to the mosque. How strategic. While we, as Christians, sometimes in America, bicker over things that really have no eternal consequence. So we want to pray for our friends in Malawi. Just south of Malawi in Mozambique, where a lot of pastors came across the border, I haven't even got to tell our team yet this, in the last few days, more pastors were slaughtered and executed in front of their families because they would not renounce the name of Jesus. And as Sonny said, we had to overcome a little bit of drizzle and rain to get to church this morning. God, forgive us. Would you pray with me as we pray for our friends today? Lord, we thank you for the tremendous blessing that we have to be in a covered shelter to worship you, to have the beauty of air condition and sound equipment and lights, projection. Thank you, God. Thank you. For our brothers and sisters around the world today, we especially lift up those that are in Afghanistan. Many are desperate and forgotten. Many are being, in this very moment, hunted because they know you and they claim the name of Jesus. We pray today for their protection. We pray that your Holy Spirit would somehow, in the most powerful way that only you can, God, that you would make a difference there in that country. That you would intervene, you would deliver them, you would protect them. We pray for our friends in Haiti today who have faced yet another natural disaster and God, so many times we see things like this happen and we just we, we don't know what to do. But the one thing that we know we can do is pray. And we know that prayer is powerful. So we lift up our brothers and sisters today in Haiti. We lift up our, our friends today, Lord, in Malawi and in Mozambique. Pastors who have been executed because they will not renounce the name of Jesus. God, I pray for strength for those families today. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have again to gather in this place and to worship you. Lord, as we worship, I pray, God, not that we have to do 
our worship like other countries or like in Africa, that we have to be necessarily visible and demonstrative and stand up and clap and dance. But God, would, would our heart cry inside us alone? Would our heart cry demonstrate as we sing and as we worship how grateful we are for you? Because today, Lord, we are not worshiping for each other. Lord, we're not, we're not singing the songs that we sing and saying what we say and looking at your words so that we can just have a good, mushy feeling. We are worshiping you, Lord, today so that one person alone will be pleased, and that is Jesus. So may you be pleased with our worship today. We honor you and we love you and pray that you would be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. As our worship team comes up to sing today, one thing that I, you, you hear from us all the time and uh, you'll be hearing things all throughout the coming weeks about what God did in us. But one thing that I'd like to share this morning is that they truly knew the word contentment. I will say we are extremely spoiled here in America. I'll go a little bit closer. We are extremely spoiled here at Crossroads Baptist Church. I am extremely spoiled. Because it's not where we worship that matters. Some of us get so caught up in where we worship. Y'all, that don't make that is nothing. That is nothing. That doesn't hold water. That is not even an argument. If this building were to burn down to the ground, we'd worship outside because God is there. Contentment. It's not where we worship. It's not even how we worship. Because as long as the church is gathered where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, do you know he's there? In fact, he says in his word that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's always there. One thing that learned that I learned so much about contentment, seeing those people, they walked for miles and miles and miles in suits in the heat to come and sit the three men that would teach. Wow. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or he will direct your paths. As long as we place our trust in Jesus, it doesn't matter about these other things. Please, please center your life on Jesus. Trust in him. Lean on him. He'll direct your paths. Let's stand together as we sing these great songs of the church. There's a sweet, sweet spirit. And then he is here. Hallelujah. He is here.
you pray with me this morning? While you're praying, I just want to ask you a question. I love it when God plans to do something different than what you planned. This morning as you're praying, I just want to ask you this question. Do you need restoration? Say, Jack, what do you mean? Restoration. Is there some, something blocking your fellowship with God? You know the Lord, but maybe there's just like some roadblock. There's some obstacle. There's some hurdle in the way that's blocking your fellowship with God. I've got good news for you today. That obstacle can be removed. And God tells us in His Word, through one of the Psalms, how we can walk that path to restoration. In church family, it's, it's actually pretty simple. We make it kind of complicated, but it is pretty simple. It starts with an act of confession, just admitting, God, I, I've either wronged you, or there's something in the way of our relationship, something that's blocking our fellowship. And it's confessing that sin to the Lord and asking Him to forgive you. wonder today if you need to do that. Many times in my life I need to do that. Almost a daily occurrence to be honest. Father I pray in these few precious moments this morning as we look at your word. Would you speak to our hearts today? And we'll be sure to thank you for what you do in Jesus name. Amen. Real quickly I just want to read this psalm to you this morning. And then we'll have an invitation. Because uh, the psalm really speaks for itself. And um, it's Psalm 51. It's a psalm of repentance from David who most of us, if you know the story of David, you know he was a king. Uh, One of the, actually Jesus came from his lineage. So he was an important person in the story of the Bible. And yet David, if he was in... uh, 2021, and you read about him in the Greer newspaper. Does Greer have a newspaper? You read about him in the Crossroads Gazette, and you read that this guy who was a leader in the community had relations with a woman who was not his wife and got her pregnant. 
and then decided, up, I've got to cover up the fact that she's pregnant, so I'm going to call her husband back from war, which is actually where David was supposed to be. I'm going to call him back from the war, give him a couple of days off. Hopefully he'll spend time with his wife and have relations with her to cover up this baby that's on the way. But unfortunately, Uriah, the soldier, comes back and in, in honor of David and his other military men and women says, no, I'm not actually going to even sleep in the same room with her because I don't want anything to happen. And David goes, uh-oh, what am I going to do? So he talks to Joab, who's one of his military leaders, and says, here's what you do when you guys go back out to battle. I want you to send him to the front lines and then pull the troops back, and hopefully he'll be killed. And that's exactly what happened. And yet this guy who committed adultery, who committed murder, the Bible goes on to tell us in the book of Acts, was a man after God's own heart. It's encouragement for me. Because I am a person who is sometimes far from God. And sometimes I'm like that passage, I think it's in Isaiah, that says... We worship God with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. I can be like that sometimes, and so can you. So David has, luckily, a friend who comes to him who is a friend enough to tell him the truth. I hope you have some friends like that in your life that care enough about you to tell you the truth even when it hurts. Those are real friends, by the way. And David has one of those friends, and we read about that story in 2 Samuel where Nathan comes to him and basically says, David, I need to tell you a story. And he kind of tells him this parable and says, what do you think should happen to the man in the story? And David says, well, he should be, just, he should be killed because that's awful that he would do that. And Nathan looks at David and says, you're the man that I'm talking about. And so David, after he's confronted with his sin, this is what he writes in this psalm. As he cries his heart out to God, he says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of thy com compassion, blot out my transgressions. Transgressions is an interesting word. Transgressions simply means not just missing the mark, but crossing the boundary that God has set. And so he says, Please blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Not my consequences are before me. He's not worried about the consequences. I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm more concerned about the consequences than I am about the fact that I've sinned against the holy God. David wasn't like that, at least at this part of his life. And so he says in verse 4, Against thee, thee only I have sinned, and I have done what's evil in your sight, so that thou art justified when thou dost speak, and blameless when thou dost judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, thou dost desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part thou wilt make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I thought about finding a picture of snow. It was cold in Malawi. I tried not to complain because I knew I would come back to the wonderful heat and humidity of the south. When we got off the plane in Atlanta, it was like, whew. I mean, we felt it. And I started visualizing in my 
mind what it was like in Malawi, the chill in the air. And I started thinking about what it's like here when there's a chill in the air. And that first fresh blanket of white snow. Dear friends, I want to tell you, if you have sin in your life, and we all do from time to time, the Bible promises us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't just mean like a whiteboard erasing it and you still see the marks that are left. It means it is white like a fresh blanket of snow. God wipes it white as snow. Only He can do that. And so he says in verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that thou hast broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out. There's that word again, blot out my iniquities. And then he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a sustaining spirit or a right spirit within me. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will be converted to thee. And then he starts to shift his psalm into praise as he says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. You're my salvation. My tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. My lips, open my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may declare thy praise. For thou dost delight in sacrifice, or not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise I would give it. Thou art pleased with burnt offering. What's the Lord looking for this morning? You looking for your money? We need to pass the offering plate again. He's looking for some sacrifice. No, David says, here's what he's looking for. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You will not despise. By thy favor do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou wilt delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering, in whole burnt offering. Young bulls will be offered on thine altar. There's a lot we could say about this psalm this morning, but let me, just, let me just say a couple things real quick for sake of time. One of the guys that I used to study a lot and listen to preach, Heath and Joey probably heard some of his messages way back in the day, was a guy named Adrian Rogers. He used to be the pastor at Bellevue Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Great preacher of God's Word. And he used to say this about sin. He said, sin will dirty the soul. It will dominate the mind. It'll disgrace God. It'll depress your heart. It'll disease the body. It'll defile the spirit. And it'll destroy the testimony. And all those things happen in the life of David. But God restored him as he confessed and asked for forgiveness and asked for the joy of the salvation to return to him. And, church family, I got to be honest. That's the kind of relationship I want with God. It only comes through confession. That's not a popular word in the North American church. We've talked about this before because we like to come in and look like we're all fine. I want to stand up here this morning and tell you I'm not all fine. I'm only fine because of the blood of Jesus and so are you. That's how you're fine. But even knowing Jesus, sometimes we can allow things to get in our life that will interrupt not only our fellowship with Jesus, but it will actually interrupt our fellowship with one another. I, I don't know what God is going to do in the next few weeks, months, and years in our church family, but I, I want to tell you, even in Africa, I, I just 
sense something great is getting ready to happen. And it can be destroyed, by the way, because we're humans. It can be destroyed if the leader is not in right relationship with God. Not in right fellowship with God. It can be destroyed if the congregation is not in right fellowship with one another. So this is off the script. This is not in my notes. This is, I don't know what God's doing, but here's what I think we should do and how we should end this morning. What do you need to confess to the Lord? You don't have to come tell me. That's the great thing about our relationship with Jesus. We can talk directly to Him. You might need to come tell me. You might need to get up and go to a fellow church member and say, You know what? I've been running my lips and my mouth about you or about things and I need to ask your forgiveness. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Sin will destroy our testimony. Sin will prevent us from being where God wants us to be. We have too much at stake as a church family. We have too much at stake with our own families, with our own kids, with our own community that needs to know Jesus for us to allow any sin to get in our way. So as I read this psalm this week, and had an extra week to study because Heath so graciously jumped in last Sunday when we didn't know we were going to be here. And I'm grateful for him. The thing that God just continued to hammer in my heart, this is just me. Jack, how, how's, how's our relationship? Is there anything not firing on all pistons? Last story and we'll, we'll pray. I'll give you an opportunity to respond. When I was uh, 16, 15 or 16, I was trying to talk my dad into letting me have a car. And the rule then was, I know we've changed a lot, I know we've modernized and we've gotten contemporary, it's okay. The rule then was, you have an automobile, you can buy the automobile. Mom and daddy not going to buy you no automobile. I know we've progressed, it's okay. So I scrimped and saved, I threw chili on hot dogs at Ricky and Sonny's hot dogs in uh, Spartanburg. I threw burgers on the grill at Fuddruckers for about a year. I worked and worked and worked and I... Went with my dad, and we found an old, dilapidated 1968 Mustang convertible. I remember driving that thing into my driveway in Roebuck, South Carolina, and all the neighbors came out to the cul-de-sac to see, not because they were so excited because there was this great Mustang. They came out because it was backfiring all the way down the road, and they thought, they thought the neighborhood had really gone bad. They thought they didn't know what was going on, and smoke was billowing everywhere. And I remember pulling that into the driveway, and over the next few Weeks and months, my dad and I restored that vehicle, and I drove it, and I had a couple little accidents in it, and, and uh, I remember almost trying to get it restored again and just sitting it aside and putting it in the garage, and met Lynette and got married, and a few years passed, a quick story, a few years passed, and I was traveling a lot doing ministry, and I came back home and looked in the garage, and my Mustang was gone, and I thought, she must have given an ultimatum, because it's gone. She must have said, me or the car. And she said, no, you'll probably see it in a few years. And I found out she had kind of finagled some stuff with my dad and some other people to restore it again. I remember going to pick it up. Candy apple red, black top, nice wheels, all this work she had done behind the scenes. 
And I thought, wow, that's a beauty. And then we got broke and we had kids and we sold it again. <laughs> that's, that's a part of the story I don't need to tell you. Maybe one day I'll have it again. But I remember, the point being, I remember getting that car and seeing how beautiful it was. Folks, that's the analogy that when I was taking a shower this morning, I couldn't get out of my mind that that's the way God restores us. We're not, we're not, I'm not faking it with you. You guys, you guys can tell when I'm faking it. I can tell when you're faking it. Some of us came in here, we were backfiring all the way down the road spiritually. We rolled into the parking lot with smoke billowing out of our spiritual souls. And we want to walk in here and sit in our seat and act like we're a restored 1968 candy apple red Mustang convertible. You can be that or whatever. You want Camaro, okay. Whatever you want to be. But the way you and I do that is just saying, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. You're holy. Forgive me. Restore me. I confess my sin to you. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Create in me a clean heart. Do you need to do that today? If you do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe today it's not so much about your fellowship with Jesus as it is your relationship with Jesus because you've never done that ever in your life. You've never confessed to Jesus that you're a sinner and you need Him to cleanse you because He paid the price. We've sung about it this morning. He paid the price. So would you pray with me? Lord, I don't know what you're doing in our church this morning. I I don't know. I'm just trying to be obedient. So as the music plays, I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. And in some respects this morning, would you help us to do what we, what we did do in Africa, just to kind of ignore the clock for just a minute. And to focus on you and what you're speaking to us. Lord, if we need to do business with you, I pray we would do that today. Church family, I'm just going to ask you to do what God leads you to do. I don't, I don't know what else to say this morning. I'm going to ask Lynn just to keep playing if she would. And What do you need to confess to the Lord? If you just need to stand up and confess that silently to Him and ask for His forgiveness, ask for His restoration, He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Maybe you're missing the joy of your salvation this morning. You just need to stand up and say, God, please help me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. If you need to come down front, I'll be standing here. I'm going to ask Heath to come and join me, our teaching pastor, student pastor. If you want somebody to pray with you, we're here. If you need to make a decision right there in your seat, you can do so. What do you need to do this morning? This time is, is yours. Just respond as God leads you to. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. 
Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.